say tonight is not a revelation and it's probably not a new thing but I want to approach it in a way that I feel like it might be helpful to us I don't want to and it is not my intention to unchristianize anyone in any manner any way but I will say some things most likely that will uh, disturb some of us and a lot of us almost all of us would have to say at least amen 13th chapter of St. Matthew, it talks about the mysteries of the kingdom of God and Jesus speaking in parables. And let's begin at the first verse. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. Isn't it strange he never called a meeting, he just went and sat there. <laughs> Fully expecting somebody to come and listen to what he had to say. God, give us that same spirit today. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole company stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no... Forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth and when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away 
Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. In the seventh verse, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up or sprung up and choked them, and I want to speak tonight on pulling up thorn bushes. Jesus explains this parable then in the 18th verse. And he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside or the trodden path. Had not been broken up, the seed lay there, and they did not take it to heart. Understandeth it means they didn't take it to heart. They didn't pay any attention to it. And the seed was sown lay there until the fowls of the air came and uh, took it away. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation of persecution of persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word in the care of this world, or age and the deceitful and of riches, Choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Father, we pray that you would breathe upon the word of God tonight. You would breathe upon the messenger tonight, and you would speak through him. Father, and also anoint the minds of individuals, so that they could see and understand and realize the day and hour that we're living in, and realize that you foresaw that and you begin to speak to us and to the disciples recorded it we have it master where we can read it and certainly it must have been meant for our age we thank you for that we give you the praise in jesus name amen you may be seated now it's not a deep revelation as to what jesus was talking about here of course the you get just about a third or a fourth of a crop in those days when you sowed seed, and we'll reiterate that a little bit. There's some whose ground was not prepared at all, whose heart was not prepared for the Word of God, and they could come and sit under it, and it was of no value to them because it never got in their heart. And then there's some whose ground was hardened in stony places and many things, and they loved the Word of the Lord when they heard it, and received it with joy and just shouted and went on and spoke in tongues and all those things. You saw it and went just great guns for a while and then tribulation and persecution came and it was because of the word. I want you to understand that it was because of the word. Anytime persecution or tribulations come and what have you, it's the word of God. If we don't, if we don't take heed to that word, why, then it becomes a persecution to us. We get that persecution complex like the preacher's picking on us and he's preaching right directly at us. And uh, because of that, then people just endure for a while and then they can become offended. I want you to note they're offended at the word. Offended at the word. You could very well make it all right if you're offended at the individual, but when you become offended at the word that he ministers or she ministers, then you got a big problem. All right, you're evidently a candidate to fall away. 
But then the 22nd verse we want to deal with, He that receives seed among the thorns, he that heareth the word and the care of the wor this world and the deceitful and the riches, choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now this ground was different. This was good ground. This was good soil. The only difference was, was there's other seeds mixed in there that never got out. And I want to speak to you tonight about the identification of the thorns, especially the things that trouble, for the most part, individual Christians today. I have watched the lives as they seem to be beat down by the repetition thing of the world upon us at all times. And I watch Christian people lose the joy of their salvation because of the things of this world. And Jesus meant that. And now all of us have and some of us are this evening undergoing some of those times until we really can't enjoy what God has given us. We receive the Word of God, we worship in the service, and then the first thing you know, we're back home or we're out in the world working or doing something, and the joy is taken away from us. Now, the Bible, in other words, we have some thorn bushes that's growing up around us. And the Bible identifies two of them in this one particular verse, where it, one is the care of this age, and the deceitfulness of riches. Now, I'm not going to deal very much about the deceitfulness of riches other than we're not very careful. Uh, we'll be seeking after the material things in this world and God will be relegated to way down to whatever place he is. He's not first place. But for the most part, our problem among Christians today is the care of this age, the cares of this life. The things, the everyday things that happen. Everyday things that we feel like is a necessities to take care of. And Jesus is reminding us that when we get those thorn bushes, now these were not thorn trees, these were bramble trees more or less, and they were bushes, and uh, some of them were a vine-like thing, and the keeper of the field, when he noticed those, if he was very diligent, if he noticed those growing there, he would wait for a season and then he would try to pluck them up. And he used them to burn and to uh, heat with sometimes and used them for fire. They wasn't good for anything other than to choke out a life or to be pulled up and burned. It wasn't good for anything besides that. And when he noticed that, if he was very diligent in his fields, he would do his best to pluck up those thorn bushes so that it would give some very vital life to those uh, seeds and those crops that was around that. And I want tonight to do my best to pull up a few thorn bushes out of our life to make us realize that this should not be a drag. All right? Christianity should not be a drag. We should not be mourning, moaning, and complaining about our everyday walk of life, although it is serious, although we do have a lot of problems, what happens is we're allowing some thorn bushes to grow in there and it is choking the Word of God. When we hear it, it is choking it out and it isn't being fruitful to our lives. It is not doing our lives any good. We know it, we hear it, and we know maybe we should apply it, but yet there is something about the cares of this life on our job maybe. 
maybe uh, with our neighbors or with our friends or whatever, you cannot escape the cares of life. They're going to be here, but how to handle them is the thing that God wants to speak to us tonight. I've had a, quite a wrestle with this in trying to get it together the way it ought to be gotten together in order to not be too harsh, but yet be stern enough to make you realize that we are living in days and hours in which the cares of this life is going to dethrone God if we're not very careful if it hasn't already for some of our lives. That does not mean we're not Christians. That does not mean that we don't love the Lord. It simply means that there's other seeds growing in there that is choking the Word of God and not allowing it to do in our lives what ought to be done in our lives. Cares that come upon our lives. Things normally every day that we have to deal with. Time and time again, Jesus dealt with that through the writers. He dealt with it in Matthew. He dealt with it in the 21st chapter of St. Luke, 34th verse. He wanted to turn there. And he had warnings concerning the soon coming of the Lord and what was going to be taking place just before the coming of the Lord. Now, let's just look at that real carefully. And you give me some time tonight. You listen to what I have to say, and you make your own judgment on your own life. God is here ready to help us. He wants us to be rid of the thorn bushes in our life, and he wants us to grow in the Spirit of the Lord. He wants, in other words, he wants his place back, saints. He wants his place back. He's tired of being second, third, or whatever, while this world begins to captivate our time and take our lives and take the uh, vibrancy and the strength out of us. When he has asked us time and time again to turn to him, to look to him, that these, these things are coming. But he is more than able to deliver us. He that began a good work in us is able to bring it to fruition. And we need to understand that. And we need to understand that these things are not going to get any better that we are dealing with. Jesus knew that. 34th verse, and he said, take heed to yourself lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, which is just simply excess indulgence, whether that could be uh, drunken with the cares of this life or whatever, but then he says it again, and cares of this life. Cares of this life, normal, everyday things that come upon us in this life. Things that we have to take care of. Things that many times we cannot avoid from doing that. But he says you have to be careful that this, your heart is not overcharged with it. That your life is not dedicated to these cares alone. We have to understand that we do have to take care of things in our everyday living. But we are not to allow them to overcharge us so much that we have no time for God, have no time for reading, have no time for prayer, have no time for church attendance. The world and the cares has taken it all away from us. And God says, I want my people back. God says, I'm tired of thorn bushes uh, choking the Word of God when they come and set 
embrace it, understand it, walk out into the world the very next morning and the cares of this life destroy anything that you said, heard, or had in the service of God. And you sit down and read your Bible and understand that God cares about you and rise up again where the cares of this life and the devil has always got something that says has to be taken care of. And most of the time it does. But preeminence. God is not asking you to let somebody else do your work or do your thing. He's just simply saying, I want to be noticed. I want you to understand that if you would give me your life, all the cares and problems you have would not be problems anymore. You see, the more we embrace the cares, the more they come and the more problems we have. And God is saying, if you'll just let me have them, they'll cease to be problems in your life. You'll take care of them, you'll do what you're supposed to do, and you'll still have time for me. But he's saying, what's, take heed to yourself. In other words, look at yourself, Jesus is saying. I think he's asking us to do that tonight. Take a good long look at yourself. Take a good long look at what is existing in your life. Take a good long look at what is taking preeminence, what's first place, what keeps me down all the time, what keeps me in the mully grubs all the time, what keeps me disturbed all the time. And you'll find that for Christians, it is the cares of this life. And Jesus is saying, I can handle those for you if I could ever regain first place. If you could ever just walk out of here, pull up these thorn bushes that aggravate and pull them up and get them out of there, your life could be a life lived up on the hills of glory. God has promised us that. He has said that he would see us through. He has said that he would be God to us. He has said that he would take care of every situation in our life. But some way, somehow, we stay disgruntled, we stay disturbed, uh, we, we stay overcharged. In other words, uh, if, if we're not careful, we'll be boring for a week. My wife's good at this. <laughs> I mean, she can think a week ahead and say, my Lord, do you know what we got to do all next week? All right? And I'll tell you what, when you take a look at our schedule sometimes, and we're not young anymore, if you live that in the next week, it's going to throw you. It's going to cause you sleepless nights. It's going to cause you prayerless times. It's going to cause you not to believe. But if you look at God and say, one day at a time, I like that. When they taught me that with Alcoholics Anonymous, you don't live tomorrow, you don't live yesterday, you live today. You get through today and you worry about tomorrow. That's the way God wants His people to do. It's going to be there. It's not going to go away. All the things that you have to do is still going to be there. Good advice is to pick out the most important one that has to be done and do them first. And there's a lot of little menial things and it wouldn't matter whether it was ever done or not. Amen? Just wouldn't matter whether they ever got done or not. But he says, now take heed to yourself. Lest at any times your heart be overcharged, and I'm going to miss all this other, and deal with the primary cause of the failings of Christians and the cares of this life. In other words, I think he is looked down and saw us today. I really do. I think he saw our age. 
I think he saw our generation. I think he saw the designs of Satan. I think he saw humanity grappling, trying to right these things and trying their best to get the things done that they feel like is uh, we, they're responsible for, that has to be done, and they're weary and they're tired. In other words, their heart is overcharged with the things of this life. In other words, we sit down sometimes and weary. And God told us we should never do that. Because the weary is giving no trust in God when he simply tells us that he'll take care of everything. And it is a disaster sometimes. And we become Christians sometimes without a purpose because the devil has robbed us of our communion with God that day. And then the next day is no better. And he robbed us of our communion with him then. And that's all right. He takes our days up. And then the first thing you know, he's not satisfied with that. A little time that you give God in our services, he takes that also. And he does it in such a way that the cares of this life, it becomes necessary. I don't know how many times I have heard people say it is a necessity. It is a necessity. What makes it a necessity? What causes it to be a necessity? Don't you know you have an enemy? Don't you know that he's going to take every free moment that you've got? And the more you give him, the more he's going to take. Until we're not careful, we're simply nervous wrecks trying to meet the expectations of the world. What people expect out of us. Wouldn't it be nice if we'd look up and say, God, what do you expect out of me today? I mean, what do you expect out of me today? Now, I've heard people, I just heard you say, Brother Hoskall, that's fine, but you don't have to deal with the world. You want to bet? I deal with the world as much as you do in some areas that you don't know anything about. And they could destroy my Christian experience. They could destroy my prayer life. They could take my study time away from me. They could take my uh, belief that God is able to handle these problems away from me the same as he can from you. And it takes a constant alertness upon my part and on yours to see that the cares of this life get only what they deserve, not what God deserves. For as a snare, you see, it's going to come upon the world, upon you unawares. It's, uh, uh, what would you say, a, a cleverly divine scheme of the devil. And he didn't start it yesterday, he started it quite some time ago. And if you will agree to me, he has encroached and taken some of your time from God slowly but surely until you wonder whether you even have an experience with God or not. Until you wonder whether God is still able to do what he said. We've got some thorn bushes growing. And like I said, I'm going to do my best if I can tonight to at least get you to be submissive enough to pull up some thorn bushes out of your life. To measure your life 
how to find out what is really necessary are some of the things that the devil has induced you to do that is beyond a necessity. I feel like if I can do that, I feel like you'll be a happier Christian. I feel like you'll be a more settled Christian. I feel like you'll be a more loving Christian and a more contented Christian. And the world is looking for individuals with contentment. Remember the scripture where God says godliness with contentment is great gain. Did not say you didn't have to have godliness, but he said if you can find the godliness of God with the contentment of God, it's a great gain. Not only in your life, but in the life of others who study every day your life. They see when you're taken by the world, they notice that. And they notice when you're just a little bit lax in your life. And he says, this is going to come up on you unawares. For as a snare, it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Now, what does that word all mean? Does that include us? It certainly does. It's going to come upon all of them that dwell on the face of the earth. And look what he says. What ye therefore... And pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape these things which shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. And in the day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount, which is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Notice what Jesus did. Notice that he had to have some time by himself. Notice that he had to have time for communion with Almighty God. Now I want to give you some examples tonight of what cares of this life really is. You'll stay with me. I want to give you some examples of some of the things that really happen sometimes in our life. Now, one of the most notable ones is found in St. Luke, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. And Jesus seemed like he just inserted that in there. Seemed like he just knew that somebody in community chapel probably was under that type of an influence. Now, Jesus loved these sisters. What he was saying here and doing here was not because he didn't love them. He was trying to set the right thing in perspective as to what a person ought to do and ought not to do. In other words, he was trying to tell us through Mary and Martha that he wanted to be first. Amen. Notice, he entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him in her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered, overcharged, this is the word, about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, she help me. Now, when you look at this, she had a legitimate right to say what she did. Because these were things that needed to be taken care of. After all, Jesus was a guest in their house, and he had a right 
to expect to be served, and Martha was wanting to serve him, but Mary had put her little self down to Peter Jesus and was listening to every word that Jesus had to say. And Martha said, it's not right. I'm doing all this work, and Mary is sitting down there. I'm encumbered. I'm overcharged. Uh, there's more to do than I can do. And my sister is sitting there at your feet. And Jesus said, and should have said, you're right, Martha. There are certain things that has to be. And then look at Mary and say, get up from there. Offer your lazy parts and get up and help Martha. He simply looked and said, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And then he said, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, he was saying the most needful thing there is in a person's life is to set at feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say about our life. In the morning and in the evening, sit down and listen to what Jesus has to say. I'll tell you one thing, it'll go better for you all that day, and you'll be better off that night. But you can become so encumbered with the cares of this life that you don't have any time for the Lord. Stirring about doing this, doing that, doing something else. Jesus was saying there'll be time enough for that when you do the good thing. When you do the good part. When you put me first. When you sit at my feet. And friend, we can't do that literally. But we have his word. And we have the ability to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to tell you again, if you get up in the morning and take that Word of God in there and listen to what He has to say, your day would go better. You'd quit driving at your wife and your husband and things not going right and just simply sit down there and say, Lord, I want to do that good thing this morning because I'm going to take the world out there that don't like me. And set it to feet of Jesus. And the first thing you know, all the problems will disappear at night, having trouble sleeping, worrying about what's going to happen the next day, worrying about problems maybe uh, that came up and you couldn't handle, have problems sleeping, send it to Peter Jesus. Get down with your Bible in prayer and set it at feet and ask him to rid you of the unrest and anxiety that's there and he will do it or he's not God. One of the two. But instead of that, we scurry about. We're busy. And the first thing in which scriptures I could get to you tonight, he was identifying our greatest problem was cares of this life. Yeah. It has destroyed many a poor soul. It has brought us down and laid us low and made us think that we had to walk around with a weeping mentality or a mourning mentality and had to just bend low with the cares of this life and the burdens of this life. That's fine. But Jesus simply tells us to cast all our cares, all our burdens upon Him. And He says, you place your burdens on me and I'll give you mine and my burdens are light. Amen. Is that not Bible? Then I'm trying to understand how we go through days and nights carrying burdens that don't belong to us. 
carrying cares of this life. There's not one thing you can do to grow an inch taller. Many of us can grow out a little bit, most of us do, but you can't add one inch to your stature. And you can't change a lot of things that happen. A lot of things on your job you can't change. A lot of things in your school you can't change. A lot of things in church you can't change. But you can lay them at the feet of Jesus and leave them there and say, God, you have to handle that. I can't do it. That's putting your care on Him. We have some more examples found in the 14th chapter of St. Luke. We're just going to be in Luke for a little while. 14th chapter. St. Luke. I'm not going to go fully into that because time will get away from us. But this was another parable of the supper. I want you to notice that Jesus here makes a great supper and we're not going to get into the benefactor part. There is a message in itself in that. But in there, there was a great supper made and the servants uh, was bid at supper time and he said, Come, all things are now ready. Now, before they had had a general invitation, and this time they had had a second invitation, and to ignore that was to scorn the individual that was asking. And in this, it simply says, all things are now ready. And they began with one excuse, or to make excuses one by one, and notice what their excuses were. It all hinged upon cares of this life. Individual things that look like they should have to be taken care of. I noticed what it was. He said, I bought a piece of ground and I need to go see it. I pray that you would have me excuse. Now number one, it's a little stupid to buy ground you've never seen. Alright? We'll not go into that. But that is simply a care of this life. And he said, Lord, I'd love to come and if it can be tomorrow, I will. But right now, I've got a care that I have to be take. I have to take care of this. You see, we're so careless sometimes where we allow the world to set the agenda for us. Yes, we do. And a lot of times it's necessary, but a lot of times it's not. If we would just get a hold of God and say, God, I want desperately to give it all to you and stand your ground. Okay, I can't come. Another said, I bought five yokes of oxen. I have to prune them. Another care. And of course, the other one, this one says, I have married a wife, but I can't come. All of these were legal, vital excuses. As far as it looked like it was concerned. But Jesus had already said, I'm going to prepare a supper. And when I invite you, I want you to come. In other words, what he's trying to say is, get your slate clean. Get everything out of the way. Because when I call for you, I want you there. I don't think I'm going too far, but... I think when the upcoming revival, and we've announced it enough, that God has said, clear your scares, clear your slate, 
Get everything else out of the way. And that includes young people too. If you've got ball games, get them out of the way. Because you are responsible. Get that slate clean. Because God says, I'm inviting you to a feast. I'm going to need you. Somebody say amen. amen. But these people had said, well, you know, I, I'd love to come. I really would. But there's too many things that I've got to do. And the devil has made us think all of this time that it has to be done the way he says that it needs to be done. He's taking our time. And while he's doing that, he's taking our joy and our experience with God. I don't know about you, but there's something inside of me that says, God, I want to be like I used to be. I, I, want, to, I want to become as excited about your word as I first was. I want to be able to sit down and get lost in it. I've got to admit there's been times when I really didn't even want to pick it up. I didn't even want to mess with it. I didn't even want to read it. Times I didn't even want to pray. And yet there was a hunger stirred in me and it's burning in there tonight. That says, God, I want an experience with you like as I've never had before. I want revival to stir in my spirit. I want something to happen in my life that I've never had to happen before. I need a revival in my spirit. I need something that would captivate me and cause me again to turn loose to the cares of this world. My greatest weakness is my kids, and they'll kill me if they could. I mean, with the cares. It's always something. Always something. They tell me to stay out of their life until they get in trouble, and then I'm so involved. All right? And they could, in, they could destroy. And we just had it happen. They could destroy any joy or any peace I'd ever had. If I would allow it. If I would let it. But there's a thorn bush that starts to grow. There's another seed in there that starts to grow. That's not going to do a thing. I choke the Word of God. And I have to get it out of there. I have to go to God. I've got to say, God, I don't need this. And I've got to bring it to Him. And lay it at the feet of Jesus. And say, you have to take care of it. I can't handle it. And He does. And he does. They make me think they were never was raised right. Is that all right? Just dare my dirty laundry. I never raised them right. I did the wrong thing by making them go to church all the time. And that they wasn't allowed to do things they uh, should have been able to do. And they were bound and determined they're going to raise their kids different. They've got trouble too. Hear me? They got trouble too. Anytime you go against biblical principles and the way you was raised biblically and decides you're going to do it man's way you got problems Amen. and you got trouble and all we can do is say like we did yesterday I don't know what to say other than there has to come a harvest when you sow if you would have sowed good seed there would have been a good harvest but when you sow bad seed they've got to come up and it's got to be harvested and we can learn by that or we can let it destroy us one of the two I'm just telling you that it's not an easy life sometimes 
and the cares of this life do come. And the things that you don't know what to do that would utterly take your day away from you. Am I doing all right? Am I boring you? And that doesn't mean we're bad. That simply means we are concerned. We do care. But what it means is we have learned this. We told our daughter yesterday, I'm not going on a guilt trip about this. I'm just definitely not going to do it. I raise you, we raise you right, we give you biblical principles, and whatever you might say or do, we're not going on a guilt trip. We will pray for you, we will love you, we will support you, but we will take no guilt trip over where you're at today. Not just one, but others. That may seem harsh to some of you, but we still let them know we love them. Excuses of all times. I would come, I'm going to come. I mean to. I, I really meant to do this. Have you ever heard that? I've heard it so much. Sometimes that I just feel like I can just put a record on it. I really meant to do this. I was going to do this. Some of you do that with work around the church. I'm going to do it. <laughs> it is not get done. What happens? Cares of this life. I'm not saying you're going uh, laying around on your hammock. I'm not saying you're laying around doing nothing. I'm saying cares of this life. Things that you take care of before you take care of God's business. Those things will always be there. There's a thorn bush growing. Yes. There may be another one close to you. Now they don't have to stay there. Their roots are not that deep. They can be pulled up by hand. They're just little bramble bushes. Not a lot of stickers on them. But they don't have to grow there. You can pull them up yourself. Or somebody around you when they see that they're there. Like I'm trying to do tonight to some of you to uncover that and make you see and be able to pull them up out of your field. Where you can have some freedom again. Where you can feel God again. Where you can quit feeling guilty because one piles this on you and one piles that on you. Somebody makes you think you just got to do it. And then the first thing you know we'll be apologizing to Jesus and say, well... You know, Lord, you understand. And the part of it is he does. And it hurts him. He doesn't really get mad at us. He's gotten near as mad at, at you as I do. <laughs> but, he, but, but he doesn't really get mad at us. He gets hurt. Because he knows that you're trying to do your, or live your life right. He knows that you're trying to stay honest. And he knows that for the most part you're trying to be a good Christian. But while you're trying to do this, the most vital part of any Christian life, which is prayer and reading and retaining the Word of God, is being slowly taken away from you. Until eventually, we just don't feel anymore. We don't worship anymore. We don't pray very much. And we're so agitated about the things piled on us. And then when you have all of this, 
have your loved ones around you tell you you've been all wrong all these years. It'll destroy you if you let it. It'll take away everything, every breath you've got inside of you until you just simply say, I've lived all these years. I've lived the best I knew how and done the best I know how to do and look what good has it done. At the feet of Jesus, you need to go. And you need to stay there like Mary did and quit worrying about these other things. Sister Beale, when matters Jack got into supper and all, I tell him to pray. No, I had to tell you, read the Word of God. It wouldn't matter at all. Let's try something else before we close. Very serious. St. Luke 17. Twenty-six. Time's winding down in these ages. I'm going to present this in a different way maybe than it's been presented a lot of times so you'll understand. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. That's a common thing. They drank. They married wives. They're given in marriage. Till the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I'm sure that was a rebellious generation. But I think sometimes we'd look at it on the standpoint of this. That the cares of this life choked out anything that Noah had to say. They were busy. They were doing their thing. They were doing what seemed to be the normal thing to do, but God was left out. God had no place and they never heard anything that Noah had to say. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Everyday living, it seems. And I'm sure that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't all like it was when God destroyed it. I'm sure there was slowly a breakdown in the mentality of people insomuch that they got so caught up with this world and the things that was in the world and doing their thing until finally they lost sight of all morality. Incest was the thing of the day. Homosexuality was running rampant and thieves and liars all there. What caused that? Cares of this life. No time for God. Our nation is under the same powers of hell as Sodom and Gomorrah was. Yes. Yes. I don't want to get down on our, on our leaders and I certainly don't want to get political, but from the uh, highest office, the Supreme Court, the Congress, House of Representatives, the presidency and all has embraced things that God has said was detrimental to every life. And the church has been so wrapped up in the cares of their own life that they never made one feeble cry against it. And only now 
after it's wrapped its lustful arms around our nation, do you find the church beginning to wake up and have a feeble cry every now and then? Cares of this life. And in the 32nd verse in closing, very short verse says, remember Lot's wife. Now why should we remember Lot's wife? Well, because she turned into pillar of salt. No. Let's remember Lot's wife for the reasons. Let's look at this lady. She came along with Abraham. She saw the blessings of Abraham. She had heard the words of Abraham and Lot. And she knew, without a shadow of a doubt, as well as Lot did, she knew that the place she was dwelling was not her place for righteous people. Bible says Lot chose the plains. Next thing, Lot was sitting at, at the seat there. In other words, he was one of the main men in Sodom and Gomorrah. Raised his children in that atmosphere. I'm trying to understand where was the Word of God. I'm trying to understand if homosexuality and incest and everything else becomes so predominant in their lives, was there nothing to offset that? What did the cares of this life erase any of the Bible study, the reading, the prayer, uh, uh, the opening of the scrolls or whatever? Did Lot actually forget that? Because when they left, the son-in-laws that stayed and daughters laughed at him, mocked him. Attitude of the day had got a hold of them. The daughters that left with them were so raised up in, in incest that when the minute they got their first chance, they committed incest with their father. Two children were born, which were thrown in the flesh at all times and still is. But everything that Lot's wife thought she ever had was in Sodom and Gomorrah. She never turned loose of the things that she had. A lot of us are the same way. Everything, sometimes our hopes and aspirations, everything we have is in the world. Material wealth and gain we seek after. And there's no wonder that she turned around and looked back because she was leaving what she thought was everything that she'd ever worked for, not knowing that ahead of her was one of the greatest powers and victory there ever was. Cares on this life. I've just got to do that. People work themselves to death and die early. Leave their money to their sons and daughters and watch them squander it and destroy it. Spend their inheritance. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend their inheritance. Let them work for it like I did. Make better men and women out of them. They really will. Sometimes we can pamper them and pet them and give them things and they don't have the slightest idea how they ever got them. Where they came from. I'm not saying you're not supposed to help them when they need help. You do. But when that becomes a habit, <laughs> and that's no longer a help, 
In closing Exodus 20 and 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 4.35 says, Unto you it was shewed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God, there is none else beside him. First Peter 5 and 7, casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. He'll take care of you if you'll just put some of those things in his hands. Quit letting them make you miserable. And meet one day at a time. Quit being exasperated with the world. They're always going to be contrary to what you are. You're loving in, living in it, but you're not of it. And we need a good life. There is no reason, saints, and I'm saying it again, there is no reason for us to run around with our heads hung down. And our lives literally torn apart every time we turn around because of some extra care. When Jesus said, now you take heed to yourself. You look at yourself now every day and you take heed to yourself. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the care of this world. Those so that sown among the thorns care. Thorn. Thorn bush. Don't have to be there. Don't need to be there. We'll take away everything. You go home tonight and you don't pull some of them up, you're not going to remember one thing, very little that I said. And if you do remember it, it's not going to do you any good. Because immediately those bramble bushes will start choking. Yes. And choking and choking until the word was good. But I say to my greatest what would you say, peer? If for people to tell me how they enjoyed the Word of God and don't do anything about it. Because the Word is there to make you better. To relieve you of your pressure and oppression. Amen. To relieve you of the things that are destroying you slowly and truly. Destroying your Christian life. And God is loving you and begging you, pull up the thorn bush, pull it up. If you need some help, can't do it for yourself, let us help you tonight to pull up the thorn bushes and get back to where you one time was. When you first came to God and you just give everything over to him. You just did. Everything seemed so simple. God was in your life. And it was a new way. And you enjoyed him. And you loved him. Then care. Started growing. When the seeds started being planted in your life. And here was another plant. You see the ground wasn't pure. There's another thing there. And it started to grow and grow. And grow. What used to really thrill you 
you pretty much anymore. How God used to just be your number one, he's not anymore. You've allowed the cares of this life to happen if you'll come. You've allowed the cares of this life to take away the heartbeat of God. Now I'm going to say again, not saying you don't love him. I'm just saying there's too many thorn bushes there that you can't give him what you need to give him. And it's about time, friends, that we were starting to declare that God is God and he's first. And if we'll do that, he'll take care of us. He really will. He'll take care of us. There's a lot of these problems you can't do anything about anyway. Cares. Only God can. Stand with me. Yeah.